This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. folks welcome to pickaxe and roll brought to you by superbook sports i'm your host ryan blackburn at nba blackburn on twitter part of the mile high sports podcast network and i am excited to discuss this denver nuggets win as the nuggets defeat the los angeles lakers final score 122 109 the nuggets have improved to 27 and 13 they're still tied into the tied for first in the west uh the memphis grizzlies are on a run of their own, they're eight and two in their last ten. They have won seven in a row, so they have kept pace with Denver as a result. But the Nuggets are now seventeen and three at home. Actually, Denver seventeen and three at home. Memphis is seventeen and three at home. Denver's ten and ten away. Memphis is ten and ten away. See both of these teams sort of separating themselves a little bit as the cream of the crop in the West, at least during the Western uh, during the regular season. We'll see what happens with Steph Curry coming back by the looks of things uh, tomorrow, as well as New Orleans probably getting back to full strength here with Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson at some point in the next month or so. But the Nuggets are really freaking good. It's hard to hard to argue with any of that. Hard to argue and say, oh yeah, they they definitely don't have a chance this year. They clearly do. And though it's games like this one that I think give me a lot of confidence that there are a lot of games where they've matched up with the best in the West and done even better. But I think it's games like these, the ones that you don't necessarily remember in between all of those awesome games that are really building up Denver's record so far this year. 17 at three at home, 17 and three, excuse me, is really hard to fake. It's one of those where you have to be consistent. You have to be great every night. And the fact that I can name all three of Denver's losses as, okay, you weren't maybe as consistent as you needed to be in those nights, I think that's a great indicator of just how consistent the Nuggets have been. They win tonight, 122-109 over the Lakers. Now, it wasn't really the Lakers. It was no LeBron, no Anthony Davis. Austin Reeves was out. There are other Lakers that are out too. But the Nuggets still took care of business. This game was never in doubt. There was never a question. It got down to like five late in the third quarter or so. But Denver immediately pushed it back up to 13. That's just what they did throughout this entire game. The Lakers would make a run and the Nuggets would get more serious. They would respond for a little bit, push the lead back up to 13, up to 15, up to 20, whatever it is. They would push that margin up to where the Lakers were always out of reach. The Nuggets, at times, they can get a little bit lax. They've shown that that that's part of their that's part of human nature. That's how Michael Malone has been describing it lately. Actually, he's been saying, "Oh yeah, it's just human nature to be a little bit lax in those situations." 
well, for most teams, uh, for the elitist of the elite, those teams generally stay focused throughout. But it is hard. I'm not arguing that at all. Denver has really focused up. And against a Lakers team without LeBron and Anthony Davis, they didn't really have the firepower to push the Nuggets in this particular game. And it showed up in a lot of ways. But let's focus on the starters in the first segment. We'll get to the bench in the second segment. I'm going to talk about the All-Star conversation in the third segment and think, can Aaron Gordon actually get to the All-Star game? Can Jamal Murray get to the All-Star game? We'll discuss that in a little bit. But for now, let's focus in on the starters. Let's actually begin with Jamal Murray, who took 29 shots in this game. I looked it up. The previous high for his seasons, or for, for this season in particular, was 21 shots. So getting up 29 shots in a game over the Lakers where it really was never in that much doubt, kind of surprised by that. Murray played 36 minutes. He played basically from the three-minute mark in the third quarter all the way through to the two-minute mark in the fourth quarter and played a ton of minutes in a row. So I don't think the efficiency quite – I don't think it quite reflects – because he missed a lot of shots at the end, clearly very tired legs. I don't think it reflects just how good he was as a scorer for much of this game. There were some plays that he he missed on occasion, but for the most part, he was locked in and absolutely kicking from the get-go. He was hitting pull-up jumpers, getting to the lane, driving to the basket all the way, hitting pull-up threes, hitting catch-and-shoot threes. There were lots of different ways in which he scored, and he fed off of the passing of Nikola Jokic. Jokic had 16 assists, and I think Murray benefited the most from that throughout this one, where those two were either playing their two-man game, or Jokic was simply just finding Murray, whether it was in transition, whether it was in the half court. Uh, There was a play where Michael Porter sets a screen late in the clock, a flare screen while Jokic has the ball at the top of the key. Murray flares to the open space. Jokic hits him and Murray hits a catch-and-shoot jumper. It's plays like that that you can work in uh, around what's the Jokic-Murray two-man game that Denver likes to run that make it so much easier for Denver to score than so many other teams. The Nuggets didn't have a great offensive night tonight. They turned the ball over 17 times. They only shot 35.7% from three, which is actually less than what they normally do. And I don't think that they finished at the rim at the level that they probably expect to finish. But in general, Murray was very, very good. And a lot of what he was doing was very reminiscent of, okay, these are some of the most dominant Jamal performances in general, where you get into the middle of the floor, you are just carving up the entire defense, no matter who's in front of you, no matter what the situation is. Denver had the ability to do that against a clearly undermanned Lakers unit, but it was very good to see. It was good to see Jamal do what this what this really means is he can get up 29 shots. He can get up that number of shots. Most of the time, you're not going to ask him to do that. Like tonight, Murray gets up 29 shots and Jokic takes five which is hilarious in and of itself. But this was just one of those games where Jokic's passing slider was scaled all the way up, and so Murray's shooting slider, I think, kind of responds to that. And it's a great opportunity for him to get his rhythm 
in situations where, hey, you've got to be the guy. You've got to be the scorer. He doesn't have to be the scorer a ton. But tonight, that was he was the first, second, and third option for most of these games. So it was very interesting to see. I think that he handled it reasonably well. The fact that he played on that back-to-back and now this is the first game after that, he did have two days off and was able to get up 36 minutes, 29 shots. That's a pretty good sign, I think, of the general trajectory of where he's going. And I think all Nuggets fans should be pretty happy with that. And Nikola Jokic, as I mentioned, ho-hum, 14 points on five shots. Thirty. Uh, he had five of five from the field, one of one from three, and three of three from the line. He had a perfect triple-double outside of the four turnovers that he had. And he had zero turnovers for a lot of this game. I think a lot of that sloppiness kind of happened in that second half. But 14 points, 16 assists, 11 rebounds, one steal, one block. This was a game where Jokic was in complete control despite taking just five shots. And I've criticized him in the past of not being aggressive enough. I think there were times tonight where Denver could have benefited from him getting a post up here or a pick and pop jumper there, yada, yada. They still scored 122. This was still a situation where the game was never in doubt. There are other times where the game is in doubt and you're wondering, where's Jokic? He's only taken three shots, four shots. Tonight, Jokic took five in 35 minutes and I never felt like he pushed the button where, oh man, I'm just not going to be a part of this play. He was a part of the place. He was a part of the action unless it was in transition. And that's a great thing for the offense in general. You're always having him kind of start the action off and everybody else sort of follows suit. Murray was the guy who I think fed off of it the most as a scorer, but Porter got in on the action. I think Jokic whipped over some passes to him at times. Jokic had a crazy pass underneath the basket where he kind of wraps it around the defense, wraps it right under the rim to a cutting Aaron Gordon for a slam. And then he also found KCP late in the game on KCP's only three. And it was a kickout three from the post where Jokic was being doubled. So there were a lot of times where the Lakers just sent double teams and Jokic responded with the pass to the open guy. And Denver often responded with the right possession. Sometimes they miss the shot, and I thought that Jokic could have definitely had over 20 assists tonight. There's no doubt in my mind that he probably should have had over 20 assists, let's be honest. But I'll settle for 16. I'll settle for 14, 11, and 16 as a line. And it's just another one of those games where Jokic didn't have to expend full energy in order for Denver to dominate in this one. And it just shows how dominant Denver's team is this year in comparison to previous seasons where they needed absolutely everything from the dude. They're getting everything from Jokic this year, but they don't need it. And so there are times like these where he can kind of take his foot off the gas pedal a little bit. I don't think he's going to be as tired heading into the playoffs, knock on wood, as he was last season. And he was still great for much of last postseason. But that's been a story for Denver in each of the last two seasons is having to over-rely on him. And then the response in the playoffs was a little bit muted. So hopefully that changes this year. And I think there's reason to believe that it will. Michael Porter, 
only 26 minutes tonight, 12 points, 5 of 13 from the field, 2 of 6 from 3. Had seven rebounds, a steal, and a block. There was a nice uh, rejection that he had basically in transition. And it was a block on the other side of the rim, kind of sending that shot back. And that was a really nice play. I thought that there were some possessions that Porter wasn't great defensively tonight. But I think you see the overall vision, right, of where his length, his athleticism, sometimes he'll look like he's getting cooked. And then some of the contests that he has and some of the plays that Denver has in general where maybe he'll get a deflection here or maybe the pass is a little bit harder and behind a, a offensive player because they can't pass it to the normal place. He has a lot of those plays down. He's moving better, I think. I really do think that from the beginning of the season to now, he's moving better, which that's a great thing. Sometimes he looks like he's moving through quicksand, and that's never a good thing. Tonight, I thought he was moving pretty well. Missed a couple of open threes, and I still think that Denver's trying to figure out exactly what he can do around the rim, exactly what he can do with his pull-up game, with his driving game as an offensive creator. For now, they've been mostly content with using him as a catch-and-shoot option, and he's been good at that. He's been good at that as a cutter as well. But as he continues to improve, I'd like to see him push the envelope a little bit, see what he can do, as long as it's not really pushing him athletically too much. Uh, you'd never want him to push too far and then hurt something. That would be bad. But I still want to see what he can do because teams are going to try to take him out of things when the playoffs come around and you want to, him to be able to do multiple things when he's out there on the court. Right now, he's still a little bit of a specialist on both ends of the floor, but that's fine as long as he stays active. Aaron, oh, He also didn't close this game, really. Neither did Aaron Gordon. Those guys, 26 minutes for Porter, 22 for Gordon. Both of those guys, they had good effort while they were out there, but it was good for Denver to get a lot of minutes for Vlaco and a lot of minutes for Bruce Brown, Bones Highland as opposed to just playing Porter 45 or 35 minutes and Gordon 30. Like that's I think it's better to vary up that rotation a little bit. And Gordon as I mentioned 22 minutes, 9 points, 4 of 8 from the field, 1 of 5 from 3. He was perfect from 2 and uh, only 1 of 5 from 3 tonight. Might see be seeing a little bit of regression here in terms of his three-point shot. Had been shooting really well for much of the season. I think he's down to just under 37% now. But 10 rebounds is fantastic. Four blocks is incredible. There were a lot of possessions where, whether it was Russell Westbrook going at the rim, or it was, oh, he blocked Thomas Bryant twice in a row. That was two of the misses that Thomas Bryant had at the rim. He was switched out onto him for some reason and stonewalled him twice. And getting possessions like that in the grand scheme of things, it's just incredible uh, because you know that that's going to be used as a hype tape. You know that that's going to be, hey, this is why Aaron Gordon deserves X. He might be an all-star. And if that's the case, then those defensive possessions are not necessarily going to be credited to – like they're not going to get as much credit as maybe the step-back threes or – uh, the crazy passes or dunks. He has the dunks. Now you get some defense in there, and he's he's playing better defense, I think, than he has at any point in his tenure with the Nuggets. That's a really good thing. 
And finally, KCP. Nothing really much to write home about. Did have more shots this game than he had in previous ones. 16 points, 6 of 14 from the field. 1 of 5 from 3. Missed a couple of open threes, and that's fine. Uh, 3 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 steal. Did have a nice recovery right at the end of the game where he hustles up an offensive rebound. Ball gets ping-ponged. Gets uh, shot into Jokic. uh, Passed into Jokic. And then KCP cuts off of him and hits a little floater with two minutes left in the game to basically ice it. Both teams went to their deep benches after that. It's great to see. KCP just fits like a glove. There's what, what can I say? He plus 18 tonight. He was the highest plus minus on the team. Very impressive. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the bench unit and some positives from this bench unit, which it was all positive on the evening. But first, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our friends over at Superbook. Add this to your New Year's resolutions. Win money in 2023 with Superbook Sports. Superbook is over three decades of sports wagering experience in Las Vegas, so you'll get the best odds anywhere as we head into the football playoffs, and we're there now. Plus, check out their special odds boosts and promotions at Superbook.com. Make 2023 the year when you win money from Vegas. Download the Superbook Sports app now and place your bets. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. We're back, pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. As always, if you can, it'd be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Five stars, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. That would be fantastic. I want to get to 200 ratings on the pod. I have a 4.9 star rating, which is fantastic. I have 169 total, which is fantastic. I'm I'm very thankful to everybody that has been willing and able to give me a positive review. Uh, Those mean the world, and they really help to boost up everything when it comes to the algorithm for what podcasts are being recommended. So if you could, it would mean the world. Thank you so very much. All right, let's get into the rest of the rotation. The starters are fantastic. I wrote about them today on Mile High Sports that uh, it's always going to be an advantage for Denver to have this starting unit. Everybody was a positive tonight. There are a ton of games where they're all positives. Sometimes when you have Murray staggering with the bench, he's a negative, but he was a positive tonight. And ultimately, the bench was all positive tonight. You just go through it. Uh, As I clicked off of it, checking the box score of another game. You have Jokic at plus 10, KCP at plus 18, Porter at plus 13, Gordon at plus 6, Murray at plus 3. He was the guy who staggered with the bench the most. Uh, Bones Highland plus 2, Bruce Brown plus 3, Zeke Naji plus 3, Vlaco plus 7. There's a lot to like there. There's a lot to like about what Denver has accomplished and how they have handled what's been a fantastic homestand. One of the things that's really developed over the course of this is the development of a core four off of the bench. Denver's been, knock on wood again, relatively healthy for this stretch where Bones, 
Bruce Brown, Vlatko, and Zeke have all been out there. And the great thing about those four in particular, uh, Bones, I think, is a little bit less versatile in terms of his position, but Bruce, Flacco, and Zeke have so much positional versatility and the ability to kind of adapt to a different situation that it could be Jamal who's out there, or KCP who's out there, or Porter, or Gordon, or Jokic. Any of the starters can realistically go out there with that bench unit and play some minutes, be out there on a consistent basis. And I like that. I like having that ability if you're the Nuggets bench. And it makes what Denver's bench has turned into that much more valuable to Denver's overall goals, where they're going to have playoff rounds where maybe Zeke plays more than Vlatko. Maybe Bruce Brown plays way more than Bones. Maybe Bones, it's just a round for him and they can't really, like the opposing team can't really punish him on the defensive end. So Denver wants to get as many reps with him offensively as possible. So he plays a bunch of minutes. But any of those guys can scale up or scale down, and the Nuggets have experience with a whole bunch of different combinations now, more so than they've really had in previous seasons, which I think is really encouraging. But tonight, Denver went with Jamal Murray as the primary stagger, and he was out there, and he still had a very high usage when he was out there. 29 shots will do that, of course. And he was, I think, tag teaming a little bit with Bones where there were some possessions where they passed to each other. There were some possessions where Murray set up Bones. Uh, I remember one in transition specifically. It was one of Bones' only threes, but it was in transition. Murray's uh, driving the ball down the left side of the court, sees Bones pretty early, picks him up, and hits Bones in rhythm where Bones can pull up from about 28 feet. Doesn't necessarily even have to get up closer to the line and hits the shot on the run. It's a very impressive shot, very impressive look. And I like that Denver can get to those sets where those guys are passing to each other as well. Doesn't necessarily happen that often in the half court, but I'm, I hope that they continue to try to find each other in the full court, in transition, because that'll be great ways for them to take the defense by surprise. Bones, other than that play, didn't have a lot of fantastic possessions, I will say. 3 of 10 from the field, 2 of 8 from 3. The only other 3 that he hit was a nice baseline corner 3 where he rotated into the corner off of a Bruce Brown pass. That was good. I do give him credit for that. There were not enough other made shots. He did get to the line 4 times. That's good. And he did have a steal and a block in succession. I want to highlight that because those actually happened right back to back with each other. And... They were both plays where he kind of reached in, dug out the ball, got his hand on the ball in a very clear and obvious way where it was the ball that he got and not the wrist or the elbow or or the forearm or anything that you want to call. And he was able to make defensive plays that way with his length, with his athleticism. And there are things that he's going to learn as he continues to get older, but one of those things is finding the dribbling lane and finding the passing lane and just pickpocketing somebody. He did that a little bit more in his rookie year than he's doing right now. That's me anecdotally saying that without really looking it up. But I do think that he's a guy who can benefit from just having these long-ass arms. And 
he won't always be on ball, but he's going to get like grown man strength at some point. Right now, he's still very light. He's very small, and that's okay. Yeah, see, anecdotally, 1.5% steal rate last year, 1.4% this year, 1.4% block rate, 1.3% this year. So it really is in line with what he was doing last year. Actually, it's funny. Pretty much everything is in line if you uh, just look at the numbers and not necessarily the the play-by-play data with the plus-minus. So that's kind of interesting to see. I should probably pay attention to that a little bit more in general, but it is important to stick with Bones even when the shot's not going down because you know that he's liable to go off at any moment, and the defense treats it like that too. He's always a guy that's a runoff. He's always uh, got the defense panicking basically whenever he gets a shot out there, and deservedly so. He's been fantastic in that zone. And as Murray continues to work his way back, he's, I mean, he is working his way back. He's basically all the way back here. Bones is going to have to find other ways to relocate off ball, find himself opportunities within the flow of that. And he can. I have no doubt that he can. Bruce Brown, pretty close to his best. Like he's he's at his best from a shooting perspective that he's ever really been. Tonight he goes six of eleven from the field, three of seven from three, fifteen points, seven rebounds, two assists, one block. Had two turnovers, but who cares? Plus three in twenty-seven minutes. Just can like when I, I found this stat pretty fascinating. I don't know if it has changed since the last time that I looked it up, but the last time I looked it up, which was about a week ago or so. I think it was actually after the Minnesota Timberwolves game. When Bruce Brown is a positive, the Nuggets are 16-0, and or at least they were before. So now they're at least 17-0. They might even be higher than that. When he is in the positive, it's a strong indication of what the Nuggets have done because he's in all of the lineups that are non-starter lineups, pretty much, because 27 minutes... Aaron Gordon plays about 22. I think that's a pretty good approximation of the starter-only lineups, uh, pretty much. Bruce Brown is the first sub in. He's the last sub out because Murray then comes back in for him in the second quarter and the fourth and the fourth quarter when that is so necessary. So when Bruce Brown is positive, things are going really well for Denver. A lot of it is circumstantial because of. Jokic not being on the floor for a big chunk of that time. But if it goes well, like it did this last game, Zeke being a plus three, Jokic was a plus 10, Zeke was a plus three, the Nuggets won by 13. If Bruce Brown is also positive, that is generally a great indication of Denver in a good spot because everything has pretty much worked at that point. And it makes a lot of sense. He's been playing aggressively. Sometimes he gets blown by because he's so aggressive, but it's that aggressiveness that gets him the opportunity to block three-pointers that makes him a threat whenever he's driving down the lane. But it's his three-point shot that has really just taken the team by storm. He, when he's shooting, I, I said this to uh, to Jenna and Vinny at the, uh, at the game today. He got to a stage where he got the kick out I don't remember if it was from Jokic or, or somebody else, but he was on the left wing. Michael Porter was in the left corner, and there was a defender kind of splitting the difference between the two of them. 
Bruce Brown in that situation usually is going to pass the ball to Michael Porter in the corner if the guy rotates to him. The the defender that was guarding him kind of half-heartedly closed out to him and kind of half-heartedly tried to cut off the passing lane as well. Didn't really do either. But instead, Bruce Brown takes the shot and drains it. And we've now officially reached the stage where Bruce Brown is kind of looking off Michael Porter a little bit and taking his own three because he's so confident in it. And he's earned that right. Let's be honest. He's hitting them so frequently and so well over the course of this year that you're just in a rhythm. Keep going. Keep going, man. So there are some times where I I can tell that he's going to miss a shot because it's a little bit more contested. It's a little bit more hurried. But when he gets time to set his feet and kind of bob in that rhythm uh, with his knees and then shoot, it's going in a lot of the time. It's very rare that he doesn't at least hit back rim, if not all the way go down. He's just a very good shooter at this point when it's uh, a relatively standard catch and shoot. When he's pulling up, when he is doing other things, trying to be, be rushed a little bit, it's not as good. But give him open shots and he's going to make them, pretty clearly. Vlako Chanchar, two points, one of four from the field, four rebounds, two assists, one steal, was a plus seven tonight. I didn't think that he did a lot of notable things. There were some plays that he connected with between Jokic and Porter. Like there was one specifically where those guys ran a nice little three-man action where Porter is initially cutting. Uh, Jokic passes it over to Vlako. Vlako, instead of taking the semi-contested three, turns it into a pick and roll with Jokic, who rolls to the rim. Porter cuts out, takes the defender away from under the basket, and Jokic gets in front of his man. Vlako dumps it down and gets a layup out of it. It's just a really nice, beautiful, improvised action between those three, and it shows how Denver is moving off ball and how they are interacting with each other. And Michael Malone said this word earlier, they're very connected. They're in a great place right now, and it shows. It absolutely shows when Vlacko's out there on the court. He is moving the ball in a way where everybody is finding it available. And they're generating better shots. They are in a consistently good spot. Sometimes Vlacko will make uh, contested shots, whether they're threes. Sometimes he will drive to the rim. I think he drove to the rim in transition for a nice little scoop layup earlier today. But he's just got a lot of great things going for him right now. And 26 minutes, he's been one of the most reliable players off the bench over the course of these last couple weeks. And even longer than that, to be honest, he's been very, very good. I don't know what's going to happen when Jeff Green comes back. I have my suspicions that they'll try to work out some stuff. But honestly, Vlacko's played so well in general that it's hard for me to want to remove him from what's going on. He's been great, and the bench has been better since he's been out there. So I don't know. I'm very curious. I'm I'm, I'm interested to see what Malone does. I have to imagine they go back to Jeff Green at the power forward spot, but and that's going to make things weird for Vlacko and whatever everything else is going on. But I want to see Vlacko continue to play. He's been great. And then Zeke Naji, the last one here, 13 minutes. And he's like, it was so interesting. Jokic mentioned this in the last game. I, I think it was Cleveland, 
where he sympathized with Zeke and with DeAndre because they have such a short leash in general that no matter what, they're going to play five minutes, they're going to play 10 minutes, uh, however long it is, but they're always going to come out because I'm going to come back in. And it wasn't really like a self-absorbed thing. It was just kind of a, hey, this is the reality of the situation thing. And those guys have such little time to really impact the game and get into a rhythm that it can be hard if you are Zeke or if you're DeAndre to really feel the rhythm of the game in those situations. So I'm glad that Zeke had a good game tonight. And he did. 13 minutes, six points, three of five from the field, three rebounds, two of them offensive, one defensive, had two blocks. And it really, really does stand out when he is guarding in isolation, when he is switching onto somebody. And whether it's Russell Westbrook or it was, I don't know, Dennis Schroeder or Kendrick Nunn, whoever, those guys feared him. Those guys tried to, or maybe not feared, but like they tried to go at him and realized very quickly that it was a bad idea. Zeke has been so good guarding in isolation this year, doing everything that he can with his quick feet to make those possessions harder than they should be. And sometimes quick guards will get him, whether it's a quick point guard or whatnot, but anytime it's anybody bigger than like six foot four, six foot five, I feel pretty good in that situation. Those guys are going to try to attack Zeke if they're going to try to get to the rim on him. Good luck. He just doesn't really allow many windows. And having a player like that who can switch on to just about anybody and keep them in front is such a weapon that it's no wonder that Denver's trying to see what they have in Zeke. He just turned 22 today. Today was his birthday. Kyle Speller actually announced it. And I thought that was pretty funny. I don't think I've ever heard that from Kyle Speller before. But Zeke, 22 years old, blocks Russell Westbrook, chase down block at the rim. And it's just one of those things where I can see why they are still so enamored with him, or at least still so invested in general with him. They don't want to give up. You see a guy like that, you know that when they're 24, like it's a whole whole lot different in general than when you're just 22. And Zeke is figuring things out on the fly, finding ways to be impactful. He may not be a traditional center in general, but very few players are anymore. So I'm good with what he's doing. I think that Denver's finding great ways to get Zeke involved in what they're doing. I would like to see him shoot more threes. I'd like to see them try to get him involved in that regard a little bit more. Outside of that, though, I think that the role that he's playing right now is really good. Vlaco's kind of the third or the first big off the bench. Zeke is the second. And I think that's very fair. That's a good place for Zeke to be. And as he continues to grow, as he continues to mature, he might turn into what Vlaco's doing. But he's playing a very difficult role right now, right behind Nikola Jokic. And him handling it with as much grace and excelling as he has. It's been very good to see. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss all-star stuff. After this fantastic win, Denver's 27-13. and Do they deserve a second all-star? Maybe. We'll be right back.
pickaxe and roll final segment here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's wrap this one up by talking about the All-Star game. It's coming up. All-Star break is February 16th to 22nd, I'm pretty sure. Denver's got a nice little opportunity to, uh, over the course of this next like month or so, to bank some more wins right before the All-Star game. And once they do that, they will have basically like 25 games left after that point. It's going to be very few. Most of the season is going to be wrapped up and the like they're already halfway through. This was game 40 and Denver's got about 15, 16, 17 more games between now and about when the All-Star game is. So hopefully Denver can go into that rolling and hopefully they could send more than just Jokic there because Jokic is going to Salt Lake City. There's no doubt about that. He is a shoe-in. He is as locked in as any potential candidate to that spot. Two-time MVP, having another awesome season. I hesitate to say career year because last year was incredible, but he's a shoo-in. There's no doubt about that. The real question is, can Denver get two All-Stars or more into this game? If they are the leading team in the Western Conference, if they are a team that is on a roll, and let's say Jamal Murray's playing really well, or Aaron Gordon's playing really well, I don't think it's really going to go for Michael Porter or KCP or anybody like that, but I think Aaron Gordon and Michael and uh, Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon and Jamal Murray, are the two most deserving candidates for a second all-star bid. Let's look at their stats. Murray, 18.5 points, 5.3 assists, 3.9 rebounds, so basically like 18-5-4 and four, and about one steal. 44.8% from the field, 38.1% from three. He's up to 38% there, 80% from the free throw line. Maybe not his most efficient season, but he's not that far from where he was, at least in a good place. Uh, not necessarily with the volume that you would think, but still doing some good stuff. And he has really come on of late. He's been one of those guys that has sort of improved as the season has gone on, and his efficiency is starting to match what the volume is at. He's at a 25% usage rate. He's at 55% true shooting. It's probably not good enough in general, but it's close. It's, It's close to the threshold for what you would need for like a second guy on a top team. Aaron Gordon, on the other hand, has really shown out. 16.6 points only, but 7.1 rebounds, 2.3 assists, and nearly a steal and a block per game. 58% from the field, 37, he's now 36.7% from three, only 64.4% from the line, but he is still at 64.2% true shooting. Just incredible efficiency for him, and his usage rate this year has been pretty solid. He's actually using more possessions than he did last year, if I'm not mistaken. And being able to do that on a consistent basis, it has gotten him more numbers. It has gotten him to the point where he's fitting in as an elite role player for what the Nuggets are doing. But that is what he is at the end of the day, is a role player in this stage. So, Raw numbers between those two guys are pretty close. 
might give the slight edge to Murray for the playmaking production in general. Like 5.3 assists compared to 2.3 for for Gordon, and then the 18.5 points on top of it. So he's creating probably, I don't know, eight more points per game than Aaron Gordon is. Aaron Gordon's making up a lot of that, though, on the defensive end. I don't know how much, but in general, Murray has been pretty good. Aaron Gordon, within his role, I think has been better. Advanced metrics all prefer Aaron Gordon. So raw numbers be damned. Advanced metrics, they prefer AG. He's filled his role, I think, better than Jamal has filled his role, which is a little bit different, a little bit more demanding. Now, what do you prefer? Do you prefer one of the most valuable role players in the league or kind of an average second option on a normal team? Maybe slightly above average. I don't know. I don't know what the question is. Or I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what people would be really thinking of when they're thinking, oh, man, we got to get a second nugget to the All-Star game. Do you go with Jamal Murray, who's been kind of that second guy for much of his tenure and is obviously working his way back from an ACL injury, but is, is on his way? Or do you go with Aaron Gordon, who's playing above his head as a role player and filling in as kind of the, the best possible way that he possibly can? I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I think it would be weird if Gordon was voted in over Murray, but he might be more deserving. Like, let's be honest about that. The real question, of course, is are there any can't like is there any way that any of this is even a possibility? Because you go by the starting guards, Luca, Steph Curry, those guys are in. Those guys are getting voted in. They will be starters. Uh there's no doubt in my mind that those guys are going to start the All-Star game, at least for the Western side of things. It'll probably be Team LeBron, because LeBron gets a whole bunch of votes. Now, the reserve guards behind them are Damian Lillard, Devin Booker, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, De'Aaron Fox, and Anthony Edwards. Sorry, I'm stuttering right now trying to come up with these names. Anthony Edwards and Clay Thompson. Also, Anthony Simons, if you're going deep into the weeds. A lot of guys that are very capable, and I think most of them have had better seasons than Murray, objectively speaking. And then you go over to the starting front court with Nikola Jokic, LeBron James, either Zion Williamson or Anthony Davis, one of the two. The other would be in the reserve front court spot. You've got DeMontis Sabonis, who's had a great year. Paul George, who's had a good year. Maybe not great, but good. Larry Markkinen has had a major breakout. Jaron Jackson Jr. is the defensive player of the year right now. Carl Anthony Towns? Probably not. I wouldn't vote Cat. Uh, Jeremy Grant? He's basically another pseudo third option for the Blazers, but the Nuggets have been better. So who has the better case in general? You've got 12 spots in general on, on the Western Conference. So let's just say the top six yeah, the top four guards make it, the top six front court players make it, and then you have two wild cards. So let's go through it here real quick, actually. You've got Luca and Curry as the starting guards. I would vote in Dame, Booker, and SGA, guaranteed, as the reserve guards. So that's five spots right there. You've got Joker, you've got LeBron, you've got Zion will go as the starting front court. And then for the reserve front court, you've got Anthony Davis, 
And I think you got to put in Demonte Sabonis and Paul George over Aaron Gordon. So you've got six guys in from the front court, and you've got five guards right there. So you've got one more spot. Do you go with Larry Markkinen? Do you go with Jaron Jackson? Do you go with De'Aaron Fox? Anthony Edwards? Or do you go with Jamal Murray or Aaron Gordon? One of those two guys. I think if I'm personally picking, I would love to see Denver's guys get in. I'd love to see somebody representing what the Nuggets have done. I just can't really get there. I can't get there. I think I would have Larry Markkinen in over Aaron Gordon because Larry's been fantastic. He just put up 49 for the Utah Jazz, and the Jazz have been way better. I think a lot of people expect it. Jokic is the alpha and omega for everything that the Nuggets do. It feels a little bit weird to give somebody else credit over anybody else on the Nuggets roster because I think that everybody on the Nuggets team has done a great job of supplementing what Jokic has done. You've got the Murray-Jokic two-man game. You have Aaron Gordon on back cuts and doing everything he can to take pressure away from Jokic at the rim. You have Michael Porter spacing the floor the way that he can. KCP's been the perfect role player. It feels to me like Denver only gets one all-star. And it's too bad because they have the record where you think that they should deserve to. Maybe this will come down to injury subs where Curry's back, but maybe Zion isn't able to play, so they give an extra front court spot. And maybe that's Aaron Gordon as opposed to Jaron Jackson, who is the second guy for the Memphis Grizzlies. And I think you could justify with Memphis saying that, man, is Jaron Jackson more essential or is Desmond Bain more essential for them? I didn't even include Desmond Bain because he missed so much time. He was averaging like 25, 5, and 5 before he went out. He's come back and has come back slowly, but John, oh, did I even include Ja? I didn't include Ja. Oh my God. Crap. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, that is, that, uh, that sort of changes the calculus here, right? So you've got Luca, and we'll, we'll stay Luca and Steph, but then you've got Ja and Dame and Booker and SGA. So you're probably voting in all four of those guys off the, off the bench for the reserves. So it makes it even harder to get in a player like Murray or like Aaron Gordon. So that's the kind of problem that Denver's facing. I don't think that Gordon is ever going to make it. This is his best possible chance to make it. I think that Murray, as he continues to get back into the swing of things, he still has the chance to get into an all-star game or two or three during the course of his career as he comes back and as he gets more comfortable with things. But I do think that right now, the league is just so stacked. Only having 12 spots for the all-star game is really dumb. You should have 15. There are more all-stars in the league than there are spots. There's no doubt about that. It's always a rotating cast. You get very penalized for missing time unless you are on a major market, in which case you get to go pretty much no matter what, in which case maybe Kawhi. Maybe maybe they vote in Kawhi for, for the All-Star game, and maybe that's something that they decide with him, but I don't know. 
I think that Murray has played really well of late. I think that his defense is better than maybe it ever has been. I think that Aaron Gordon has been fantastic. His defense is maybe better than it ever has been. And the Nuggets are finding ways to be successful with those guys around Jokic every single night. They have the best net rating in the league, that starting lineup, outside of the Warrior starters. And the Warrior starters haven't played together in a long time. So it would be nice if Denver could get another all-star in there, but I sort of doubt that it'll happen, which is too bad. But it is what it is. Denver's just going to have to win a title. Oh, well. All right. That is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. As always, I'll be back probably tomorrow night. We'll probably do, I think we may do a trade deadline pod, uh, something that I know that's a month away, but we can get a little bit of a primer in there. So stay tuned for that. But for now, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you guys tomorrow. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.